Hey everyone, welcome to the seventh episode of Baseline Intelligence, the podcast designed to make you a better tennis player and a smarter athlete. I'm your host, Jonathan Stokey. Today's guest is legendary Division I men's tennis coach, Peter Smith. He was the head coach at Long Beach State, Fresno State, Pepperdine, and the University of Southern California. He is the only head coach in Division I men's tennis history to lead four separate teams into the top 25 rankings and won five national championships while he was the coach at USC. He's also spent time coaching top American professionals Steve Johnson and Sam Querrey. Today we discuss the importance of love between a player and a coach, the difference between being good and great, and some legendary stories from his college coaching days. So sit back, relax, and prepare to become a smarter tennis player. All right, Peter, welcome to the pod. Great to be here. You know, it's kind of funny. I always just want to call you Stokey. So I don't know what you go by these days. Coach John, everyone at the club calls me Coach Peter, which is kind of funny. Everybody still calls me Stokey, except uh, my mom and dad. So you're, you're still welcome <laughs> to do that. Um, so I'm glad you came on. You know, some of my best memories, honestly, in college coaching were when we would go to Kalamazoo and recruit. And after doubles and sometimes even before doubles, we'd all sneak out to a local golf course, Brett Macy, Roditi, you, a bunch of others, and we'd play golf. And And I loved, as a young coach, learning from you guys. And before we got into tennis stuff, I just wanted to check in and see if you're still a terrible golfer. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bad. Um, actually, I just set a world record for me. I played three days in a row, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I actually joined a men's club. At our, we actually have a gorgeous course right near the club called Los Verdes. It's they call Poor Man's Pebble, but the back nine is all along the ocean. So I really enjoy playing there. But uh, yeah, if I shoot par, I'm, I'm elated. Par on one hole, on one hole, not par the whole time. Yes, just a singular hole. Got it. Yeah. So you're about the same. Yeah. You're about the same as I remember. Yeah, I, I had five pars that day. That was good. But I, I'm a tennis coach. Yeah, I, I was kind of like bored after three days. I was like, oh, God, okay. Fire up for the back nine, Peter. Let's go. <laughs> well, that's why we have you on here because obviously you are, you know, I was looking it up. You're one of the most successful D1 men's tennis coaches of all time, but really you're one of the most successful D1 coaches of all time because I don't know many sports or many coaches that have won five national championships. I know you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but every year you guys won, there were like four or five great teams that could have won it, but you guys were the ones that got it done. Can you narrow it down to one or two reasons why you think you guys were so good at closing? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, I, I, I really focused um, working at my teams at really making them love each other. We did a lot of things off court. I loved my players with all of my heart. And, and that's not to say... Other coaches don't, you know, when we talk about, you know, Steve Johnson, Robert Farah, you know, those guys are so close to me still. There was just a, a real love there. And, you know, I had another coach say that to me once that you guys just love each other more. I also really talked myself into feeling no pressure. Probably the, the stat I'm most proud of is that my teams were able to be in five finals and win five finals. And I, I distinctly remember every single day 
Um, I think the first one in 2009, I was extremely nervous. And I remember calling my wife and I said, hey, you got to talk me through this. This is a big day, not only for, for myself, it's a big day for my program. You know, I was kind of a little bit on the hot seat at USC. And, you know, I said, I, I got to win today. You know, this team has to win and I can't do anything anymore. All I can do is lose it. <laughs> and she said, you know, get your S together. <laughs> so, but, you know, after that, I, I really worked on just being extremely calm that day because coaches can't win in that situation. Uh, the cards are already dealt, uh, but they can certainly lose. And so how you act towards your team, your body language, things like that. And I would just convince myself that I was the luckiest person in the world. I was doing exactly what I wanted to do. And for, for our careers, you know, our job, we were now on the biggest stage possible. And, uh, you know, sometimes that stage wasn't that big. Uh, that day in 2009, there weren't too many people watching at Texas A&M, but it was, it's, it's our moment. And, and to be in a final, you feel so lucky. Um, to have a team that gets, uh, you know, the coaching staff there. I mean, because at the end of the day, players win it, coaches don't. I mean, you, you know, you can be the greatest coach in the world, and if you don't have the right player, it's not going to happen. Quick follow-up there. You, you're talking about love and how you guys loved each other, but how does that? How did you see that manifest itself onto the actual court in the, in the way they played and the way they competed? They were willing to listen. They were you know, really believed in my coaching and our coaching. Um, they trusted us and they pushed each other. I, I really just always felt like we were able to do a little bit more and push. And every one of those matches, really, you know, when the, the pressure really starts to ramp up uh, in the semis. And that's when you can see ESPN trucks, you know, you think about being in a final, things like that. And the pressure is a very different pressure than you feel throughout the year. I mean, certainly there's huge pressure when, when you play a UCLA or Stanford, but it's very different at the end of the year. Um, it's, a, it's a very different kind of pressure. And the ability to follow each other and push each other and get over that line is key to winning. It, it's it's just everything, and and them trusting in you and believing in your coaching is really important. Um, that if you ask them to do something, sometimes tell them to do something, they will do it, kind of without question. And and those those are the players, uh, and those you know I, you never win that match in May. I've I've always said. Championships are won in February. Um, you know, your your team goes to national indoors. You know, what's happening there? You know, how are you pulling your team together? January and February are so important to building the culture uh, of your team. Um, it's it's extremely, uh, it's everything. And, and looking back on those moments in May, that's that's where you build it. You, you don't win it in May. One thing I always noticed, we lost to you. I can't remember what year it was. We lost you in the lead eight, like four zero. We got bombed, but you know that was a big match for us. We've never made a final four, so that's kind of like our our next hurdle, right? Is to win that one. And I could sense our guys were tight. 
And I would look at you, especially you were always walking around the facility, laughing, joking. I thought the guys on the team had that same vibe and you guys just look so relaxed. And I don't know if that's how you guys, if your players actually were as relaxed as they seemed, but that was always the vibe I got from you guys was that you were actually enjoying that moment. Is that, is that really how it was? Oh, I, I loved those moments. Uh, those moments are, you know, you are alive like nobody else. And, and I always just appreciated it. And I think over the years that went down to my team and, you know, I would always just call it a party. You know, we're there to party. You know, we would go out, we would have the nicest dinners. We would be laughing so hard at dinner. We would just, we'd, we'd find the best restaurants and, you know, we'd, we'd have a really enjoyable time. And I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I just, you know, my captains enjoyed it. And, and uh, you know, that was, that was super important. You know, it's not just about showing up. I, I can remember a few finals where I was looking at the other coach and I was like, holy moly, this guy is uptight. And I was just loving the moment. So you mentioned players kind of win matches and throughout your whole career, you had a ton of amazing players who were highly ranked in college. And a few of them like Steve Johnson, Robert, Robert Farah and others had success on the ATP tour. What was the difference between one of the great college players who didn't make it as a pro and then the guys that ended up making it? What were some of the differences that you saw that kind of contributed to that? You know, I've always said, you know, there's a physicality that's extremely important. Um, You look at Emilio Gomez, Yannick Kampman, Robert Farah. I always called him Farah. The announcers always called him Farah now. So He's never corrected me on Ferris, so I'm sticking with Ferris. Stevie, those guys are all physical specimens. It, it, it's in, you know, D-Win, uh, Raymond, Sarmiento, guys who more, you know, struggled. Um, you know, I would say that's it because, you know, someone like D-Win, he did all the little things correct. The difference between being good and great is, is the details. Uh, how much of the details do you want to do every day? Do you want to prehab every day? Do you want to cool down and do all the little things afterwards? If you do those things on a daily basis, you're going to overcome whatever you know stuff is is holding you back. And usually it's the mind that's holding you back. But you, you just keep building that and, and you, good things happen to those people. You, you make your own success, you know, hard workers get lucky more than lazy people. Uh, I really believe that, you know, hard work is, is the staple of life. Um, and you need to really be willing to work hard and find joy in that hard work. Uh, I've always considered myself a very hard worker. I, I love to work hard. You said that usually it's the mind that holds you back from kind of achieving the success that maybe an individual player wants. What are some of the common things that you see or that you saw amongst your college players or the junior players you have now common, common mental issues that, that prevent people from reaching the highest level? I always called them walls. People put up walls, you know, they're afraid to work hard. They don't believe in themselves. They, you know, you always have this, 
phrases like trust the process. It's those things are hard to really understand it. You know, trust your coach. Uh, I remember Stefan Kozlov talked to my team, uh, not my team, my academy when he was 15. I, I, I want to say he was one in the world at the time. Again, I'm not a stat guy. He was very successful. He's, he was playing our future that week. And I can't remember, it's 15, 16, 17. And one of the kids asked him, what's the most important thing that you can share with us? And he said, listen to your coaches. I thought it was in- incredible that it, he goes, I have coaches on the court and they're there for a reason. And if I'm not going to listen to them, it doesn't work. He said, someone very close to him has as just much talent as me, but he doesn't listen to his coaches. He doesn't trust his coaches. And it, it was, it was really for a young kid to say that, you know, everybody has crap in their head. Everyone, everyone, <laughs> the pros, I, you know, I've, I've coached at the highest levels and they all deal with it. And some deal with it better than others. And, you know, overcoming those walls every day, that's super important. And, you know, whatever that wall is you have, you know, self-belief, you know, how hard do you want to work? You know, usually it's self-belief. Um, usually it's, it's making the game of tennis too important. I mean, tennis is a super unique game because it's one-on-one. You know, in these tournaments, you can feel very alone. Your mind can play tricks on you. And so you have to overcome your stuff. Um, and I was always kind of the talented kid who was not very good. And I didn't really figure my stuff out until I was in my 40s, which is crazy. You know, and I coached college tennis for 32 years and I got to watch a lot of successful and not successful people. And to see the difference between those is 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 eye-opening. But it really just comes down to the details. Uh, how how much how much little things do I want to do? How how do I want to prepare? We were chatting before, and you know, I always tell my teams if you're on time, you're you're late. And and the good players they show up 15 minutes early. They prepare to play. You know, I coach an 11 year old girl. I have a lesson with her most mornings at 7:30. She's there at 7:10. It's crazy, and she's doing. She's getting ready. I'm not there at 7:10. I'm an early bird, but I got to walk my dogs. There's a lot of things I got to do before I get there. And you can tell that she is just going to be successful because all the little things. You know, does she have issues? Yeah, we all have issues, but doing all that little work will help you overcome that. I saw something on Instagram. This was like a month or two ago, but uh, thinking back to what you said about Kozlov and listening to your coaches, it said, if at first you don't succeed, just do what your coach told you to do the first time. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. it is such a big part of the process, but. Well, he, he also said like, Hey, if you don't trust your coach, why are you out there with him? Right. <laughs> you know, if you're going to pay the $100 or whatever you're going to pay, you know, listen. And and people put up a lot of block, you know, blocks. You know, I, I'm super fortunate to work with Eva Jovic, who won Orange Bowl this year. And I, I'm telling you, when I work with her 
we can get four hours done in one hour. You know, you know, normally, you know, you break your, you know, I'm always breaking my lessons up to, I really believe in a complete game and, you know, spend 15 minutes on this, 15 minutes on that. You know, her and I can do things in like seven minutes because she's working so hard and and just trusting what I'm telling her. We get so much done and, and she just works through it. It's incredible to be a part of and watch every day. So, you know, you've coached top college players and now you're coaching, you know, one of the best 14 year old girls in the world. So you've kind of run the gamut of age and, and gender and levels, but are there any core principles that you have in your coaching that you kind of apply to everybody that you work with? Oh yeah. I mean, I definitely have what I believe in. I mean, I think, coaches to be successful they have to know who they are and you have to to know what you want to do so i believe in a complete game i believe that you should not have one weakness that really sticks out you know at in college my first semester i spent the whole time working with my freshmen on volleys most people didn't know how to volley steve johnson when he came to USC, he knew how to volley. He, you know, his dad was a really good coach. You know, we spent a lot of time working on his backhand, things like that. And, but he had an all court game like nobody else. I mean, Robert Frere couldn't hit a volley to save his life. Uh, so, you know, that took about two years for him to really feel comfortable volleying. But, you know, I also believe in depth to a point where people are like, wow, this is too much. I believe you hit a ground stroke to get a short ball. So you don't hit a ground stroke to make people miss. If you're doing that, that's a really bad way to use your, your psychology. I want, you know, that's what I would always tell guys, you know, you're going to play and, you know, and you're going to be aggressive off the ground and you're going to be deep and you're going to get a short ball. Then you're going to hit an approach and then you're going to hit a volley. And, and that's how it goes. You know, could you get, an error off those deep ground strokes, a hundred percent. You know, if if you if you set up your point great, you don't have to hit a great volley. You really don't. Um, you know, I don't care what racket you're using, what string you're using. It's still pretty hard to hit a backhand on the run. And and if you set it up right and make them hit a backhand on the run, okay. If they can do that, good for them. But keep on making them do that. You know, one unique part of college coaching is you were able to talk to your players throughout the match. You could talk to them in between points, on a changeover, whatever it may be. In between serves. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I, I, would, I, would, I would talk to players in the middle of the point. <laughs> what would you say? Go. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, can, I can remember like, you know, and, and it's subtle you know, and that's not something I did a lot, but I, I can remember a lot of times guys would set up points and, and the short ball was there and it'd be go, you know, or, you know, they miss a first serve and they're, you can tell they're tied on the second serve and, and just give them something, you know, because when you're playing tennis and you're out there by yourself, your brain gets very small sometimes. And, and the ability to talk to somebody is, is everything. And how you talk to them is really important. And, and that's why I say, you know, the relationships you build, the trust they have in you, is that everything, you know, I can, you know, I can remember some very unique circumstances and, 
2014, uh, we were up 4-3 in the third, 40 love, second serve. Max DeVroom is playing Austin Harris. And I go, hey, let's second serve. I, I say, let's kick serve and volley. And uh, the guy gets the return down. He loses the game. And in my head, I'm going, oh, my, you are such an idiot. Like, what are you doing? You know, and and I wouldn't over-involve myself in matches. That's very important. You know, a coach can make maybe a two to three to four to five percent difference. I mean, in a match, I believe, you know, so he now it's four all. We're up three two, and the other one, you know, maybe Michael Grant wins at six. Yes, Michael Grant would have won at six, but you're like, oh man, and you know, somehow he breaks. You know, five four, he goes up forty love again, and loses the first two points, and now it's forty thirty. And I looked at Max, and I said, kick serve and volley, let's get out of here. And he hit a great kick. It was on a first serve, so a little different, and hit a great winner volley. Uh, but you know, I, he believed in me. That was the difference. So Max won that match. I, I would not have been able to do what Max did. Coaching can be a lot easier than playing, you know, also a little bit, I was like, Hey, I can't be wrong twice. Can I? Um, but I, I would always tell my players, I'm not going to be right every time. But I think my success ratio is like 75 to 80%. I'll take that. I call a play and it doesn't work. It's on me. And, and some players let you in more than others. And some players like Stevie Johnson, I, I didn't call too many plays. <laughs> he was just, <laughs> you know, I, I got the water and the towel. Some days, you know, you, you, you're different. You're different. You know, some days you're a cheerleader. Some days you're a ball boy. Some days... You're a water boy, you know, you're going to do it all as a coach. Different guys require different things. And, and that you have to understand that as the coach, but the ability to coach someone in the middle of the match, you know, you never know at the end of the day, how much difference you made, uh, you know, maybe it was zero, uh, you know, and certainly as coaches, we've lost matches. I'm, I'm sure you can, I can remember giving bad advice. It, that doesn't feel great, but I, I always said matches were an extension of practice. And, you know, speaking with someone like Andre Agassi and him, you know, saying like, hey, everything is practice. Even the U.S. Open is practice. Everything is practice. And, and it's how you view that competition that's so very important to, you know, how you then participate in it. That's that's everything. And in and, and, you have a saying in our house, it's just tennis. And I don't care how much money you're playing for. It's just tennis. We're not solving world peace. We're not curing cancer. I tell that to my players all the time. There's a reason when sports is not on the front page, you know, it's not as important. You know, it is a luxury that we get to do this. That's important to remember. So we're going to finish up with uh, Instagram questions. And you actually got quite a few. I posted a story and these are from people out there. Um, you also know some of these are from people I know and you'll be able to tell which questions are which, <laughs> I, would, I would assume. <laughs> um, so the, the, the first one is a total softball, but what do you think the best host, host site is for the NCAA finals? Kind of when you get to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. Well, 
we were we our teams were very fortunate to win three championships in Athens, Georgia. And Athens, Georgia is is top ten. They're the first ten. So who's the second best? You know, who's the eleventh? Uh Athens, Georgia has the history, it has the town, it has the stadium, you know. Playing in front of a packed house in Athens, Georgia, 5,000 people is, you know, an experience you can, you know, never forget. And, and it's, it's a great one. Uh, what was the top thing that you looked for in a recruit? You know, it, it's super interesting now uh, that I'm a coach and that I call college coaches and say, I've got a guy for you. And the first question they ask is what's their UTR? And I think that is so short-sighted. Um, I never knew my recruits rankings. Uh, I, I made it a point not to look at the rankings. You know, I, I watched guys play, I watched guys compete. Uh, were, they, were they willing to listen? And were they willing to work hard? You know, at the end of the day, I, I knew my players were ranked high, but I sometimes I was reading their bio in in our sports info webpage or whatever, and I'd go, oh wow, he was nine in the country. You know, I had no idea what Steve Johnson was ranked. I couldn't even tell you now what he was ranked in the juniors. But I knew he was an absolute winner and and I had watched him compete so much. Um so watching how they compete and, and all the little things they do. Uh, I never watched junior doubles ever. Uh, like, like you said, we were playing golf at Kalamazoo. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of junior doubles, but you know, could they, could I coach them to be a good doubles player in college? But yeah, uh, just, just all the little nuances they do on the court is to me more important than a ranking. I love that. I, you know, I work with a ton of juniors now and that seems to be such a source of stress for them is how did I do in this tournament? What my UTR is, what my ranking is. This coach probably thinks I stink. And my advice to them is I, I think the top coaches don't care about that. You know, some do, like you said, for sure, but you might want to steer yourself towards the type of coach that isn't living and dying with every result or the decimal point of your UTR. Yeah, it, it's frustrating for me. Um, I, I feel I work very hard to be a good coach. And I, you know, I train my players to have a complete game. So if I'm if I'm turning a guy over or a girl to a college program, they can hit a volley, they can hit an approach shot, uh, they can do a lot of different things. And, you know, I, I said earlier that I coach my players to hit a volley because at the end of the season, the ability to hit a volley under pressure is still the difference between winning and losing. And, and I know a lot of programs that have a lot of success that, but haven't been able to get over the hump. And I've always said like, you know, you've got to win those matches. You have to win them. Good players don't lose. And in, you know, big moments, you have to take the ball early. You have to, feel comfortable hitting a volley and, you know, getting an 18 year old to, to do that sometimes can be very hard because learning to volley at 18 is probably too late. Uh, and now, you know, working with 12, 13 year olds, 14 year olds, teaching them to volley is, is a blast and they don't have that fear. 
um, you know, and they don't have that practice of just winning from the baseline. What's the number one thing or a piece of advice that you would give like a three, five or a four Oh club player that they can do to improve their game? Like what's one fundamental for a beginner or a club player that you go, man, you got to do this if you want to be good. <laughs> that's, that's hard. Um, you know, they, they always want to be something they're not right. I, what wins at every level, you know, I mean, you know, for 10, 11, 12 year olds, I work, you know, consistency wins, you know, getting the ball back. You know, I work with a lot of three, five, four, oh players and they all want to serve harder. Got it. I just want to serve harder. I had someone tell me that yesterday. I was like, you know, I used to serve 135. And now I, if I get to 105, I'm super happy. And that's frustrating because I have a much technically much better serve now than I did when I was 18 and doing that. But, you know, it's about placement. It's about consistency. That's what wins. Placement and consistency and smart. You know, rule number one in tennis, what's rule number one? Get the darn ball in. That's rule number one. So don't ever forget that. Love that. Uh, and these, these are the last two. I swear I, I did not ask myself. Okay. So these actually came from other people. But uh, the first one was, if you can think back to 2006 when I was playing against you guys, USC, how easy or difficult was it to coach against me? Well, you were, you were unique. Uh, you were very unique. Uh, so if you had the right guy, it was easy. If you had the wrong guy, it was impossible uh, because you brought the game to somebody else, right? You made a player play a certain way and they were not comfortable, you know, hitting certain shots. You were, they, you were going to win. Uh, I think, did you play five? I, I can't remember you playing. I, I played, I remember, I think it was, it, is there a Daniel Tor? I think I played a Torres at five and then I lost to Ruben, Al no, yeah. at two. Ruben Torres. Ruben Torres. Ruben. <laughs> Did you beat Ruben? I beat Ruben. Yeah. And then I lost to I lost to Jamil. Today is Ruben Torres' birthday. So uh Ruben is probably still upset about that. Um yeah, Ruben didn't have a very good second serve, so I'm sure you're you're putting a little pressure on him uh with that. Uh you know, actually Jamil and Ruben played similar kind of more defensive games. Uh, you know, so, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you played Ruben on court five at USC. I, did. I, I really remember that. Yeah. So <laughs> I've teased you over the years. Yeah. I, I forget. I mean, anyone who's seen me play, they know I've got a unique, unique looking ground strokes. You, you gave me trouble on Instagram when you said, man, you don't really demo your forehand too often on there. I just see you doing a lot of volleys. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's. That's by design. I'm working on it. <laughs> well, usually, I mean, I coach the volley the best because I could never hit one, right? I volley pretty good now, but you know, the, this the shot, you know, this I, I've always had a natural backhand, so you know, you don't really learn that. But I'm sure you you teach a really good forehand. I've gotten better at it, and I'm working on my own. And maybe in a couple of months, I'll put a video up, and you can you can analyze it for me. And th this last question is 100% from a former player of mine. And he wants to know how you sleep at night 
because you played Steve Johnson at three doubles against us at the National Indoors in Seattle. <laughs> Didn't he lose though? You know his record his his record at three doubles was was five hundred. I believe it was two and two. Um, yeah, I mean, talk about you know you know this is the stuff of legends. Uh, we were playing you at indoors, and I mean, remember we had the guy's shoes waiting. It was Emilio Gomez. We totally messed up, and he got the wrong visa. And so he came to school on a tourist visa, but he needed a student visa. So then we were in Seattle, and we realized <laughs> that we could get him across the Canadian border and have him get the right visa. And so he's there, and they like said, oh, my God, you're never going to be allowed in the U.S. again. You broke some rule. We had to get lawyers from USC involved. It was, it was really interesting and funny. And, and this probably happens with a lot of programs. And he was like, hey, they're detaining me at the border. They're saying I'll never be allowed back in the country, yada, yada, yada. We, we got it all worked out. But I think he showed up for singles, right? He, he missed doubles and, and he showed up for singles. I believe he lost. But Stevie's like, hey, I'll I'll just play with Mikey at at uh at three and we'll be just fine. <laughs> I remember you came to us before the match and you kind of had the smile on your face and you're like, "All right, so I've kind of got two lineups here." And <laughs> yeah, we have Ramsey a, didn't believe me. <laughs> yeah, you're like, "We have a little situation." And and for the record, you actually had Emilio's shoes on the bench ready for him so he could literally run out of the car slip his shoes on and that's what he did for singles that's a wild story that that's one of those things that people who haven't coached in college like maybe not that extreme but there are always little stories like that that are popping up and it's wild yeah i mean you think about that and 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 i don't know if if we broke any rules or what we did wrong but you know and we sent him up there and i believe that was the second day of matches and he he didn't make it back for the first day because they held him at the border. And we're like, I think, we, you know, someone drove up and, and talked him through and we had lawyers involved and we're like, okay, he'll be there in 30 minutes. And he literally walked, arrived as we lost doubles and there's five minutes in between doubles and singles and he walked out. But yes, no, Stevie, did we win that match? I can't even remember. I think we won that one. Yeah, I I think we won a close one because it did help that Emilio couldn't really function at a normal (laughs) level. And (laughs) Emilio certainly didn't. I think we lost the doubles, and I I really blame all of that on Steve Johnson. I mean, you know, Michael Grant is a really good, solid returner, good doubles player, and if Stevie can't help him get that W at three, three, I mean, how can we win? Come on. I love that. I'll, I'll make sure to tag Steve Johnson on that uh, audio clip later. Um, all right. Well, hey, Peter, like I said, it's been great catching up and I, I miss seeing you out there every year. And I know you got a you got a lesson this morning with one of your young protégés, so I don't want you to be late, but amazing catching up. You had a lot of good information out there. I know a lot of people will enjoy hearing it and learning from it. So thanks again. And, and hopefully it won't be as long before we talk next time. Stokey, you know, super proud of what you're doing, really. You know, you're, you're adding to the game of tennis and it's, it's super interesting uh, what Instagram has done to coaching. You know, a lot of people has tri- have tried to encourage me to get involved 
Uh, but I'm 57. I really <laughs> enjoy my free time and I work hard on the court. And But I, I follow you and what the content you put out is really good. So congrats and, and thanks for all your hard work. All right. I appreciate that, Peter. Talk to you soon. All right, bud. Have a great day. Thanks again to Peter for coming on. I always love chatting with him. He had some great stories and a few critical tips to improving play. But the thing I've always loved about Peter is how loose he is and how much he enjoys coaching. It's okay to try hard and invest a lot of time and focus on the sport. But please remember, it's just a sport. Enjoy your time on the court. Laugh a little bit and make sure you enjoy the process. I want to thank you all for listening. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there, and I'm grateful you chose to join me today. I'm motivated to evolve and improve, so please subscribe if you enjoyed the episode and leave a comment or review so we keep getting better every week. For more, check out my Instagram at Stokey Tennis for clips from these podcasts, as well as general drills and tips to help your tennis game. Thanks for listening. I hope you just improved at tennis without even hitting a ball.